0: We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. All right. Well, tonight we are back in Ezra uh, after a week off. I apologize. We were supposed to do this last week, but I got distracted with some uh, sickness in the family and some other things. But it's glad to be back with you guys. And before we jump into Ezra 8, I just want to kind of remind us of where we're at in Ezra and Nehemiah, where we're at in this series, and kind of situate chapter eight in this pattern that we see in Ezra over and over again. So if you look at Ezra and Nehemiah, there's really three big sections, three returns. And they follow this video that we showed up here where the people return to the land, then they rebuild the temple or they rebuild the wall, okay? And then they restore worship, All right, so you see this pattern continue and follow. So the first return was Ezra 1 through 6. So we looked at that over the last month or two. Um, And they all start pretty much the same with a pagan king giving, issuing an edict to allow the people to return. And then a leader from the Israelites put together a group of people to return to the land. And then they start to rebuild. So in 1 through 6, it was Cyrus allowing them to return. Uh, led by Zerubbabel and the high priest. Then they start working on the temple and restoring the worship. And so verse, sorry, chapter seven then, what Chris gave you two weeks ago, was the start of the second return. And we see the pattern repeat itself. This time it's Artaxerxes giving a command, an edict, allowing for the return. Uh, This time it's Ezra leading them back. And we'll see this... um, go over and over again, okay? And in both the first return and the second return, one of the first things you see is the list of people, the people that were faithful, all right? And that's where we're going to start tonight is looking at, okay, now that the command, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at chapter seven, the command to go back. Now we're going to look at the people and the journey, okay, as they return to the land and, and go to restore um, the, the worship of the temple, Um, Some other differences between the first and second returns that chapters one through six cover a long period of time. It's almost a hundred years that chapters one through six of Ezra covers from the time that the uh, edict was issued and then the rebuilding of the temple. And then there was a delay. Remember, we talked about the opposition they faced and then the final uh, rebuilding of the temple. But the second return, the second little section, seven through 10, is just over a year. It's a much more like zoomed in and focused uh, story. It's, it's much more uh, time bound in just a short period of time. Um, and it's also a much smaller group, okay? Ezra's group that he leads back is going to be much smaller than the first group. Um, but Ezra has a specific goal, something that he wants to achieve, that was implied in the first return, but Ezra makes very clear. And, and Chris talked to you about this uh, two weeks ago when he covered Ezra's calling and commission in 710. Um, For Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach the statues and ordinances Israel. So part of that restoration is that people need to know their Bible, right? If we want to build up a strong church, if we want to restore true worship, one of the things we need is the teaching of the word. And so this second group not only is going to help restore the worship, but also restore teaching of the law and uh, teaching of the people of what God God has called them to. So that's the background. Let's talk about the structure of chapter 8. And being a good uh, Denton Bible preacher, I'm going to give you five Ps, okay? Five Ps that kind of break up uh, not P-E-A-S, but the letter P that break up the chapter of uh, chapter eight. Okay. And so we'll look and I cheat a little bit on one, but I hope you'll forgive me for that. Um, so what we start with in chapter eight is the people. Okay. So that's your first P. Who are the people that are going to answer the call and the challenge to go back and to help restore the land, restore the worship, uh, rebuild the city? Um, So, we see at the beginning of this chapter some of the people. So, Ezra 8 1. Now, these are the heads of the father's households and the genealogical enrollment of those who went up with me. Notice Ezra's writing in first person here from Babylon in the reign of King Artaxerxes, of the sons of Phinehas Gershom, of the sons of Ithamar Daniel. So, first thing you need to notice here of the people is that high priests go back, people from Aaron's line. All right. So if you think about the kind of people you need to restore true worship, restore the land, rebuild the country, you need high priest, right? You can't have sacrifices with it. Now, there are some already in the land, but Ezra knows that that's a big need for this group of people going back. We need the high priest, and they come from the two sons of Aaron, the two different lines. So he's got both represented in this people going back. So you got priests, and then you get the royalty of the sons of David. So of the king's line, Hattesh, okay? This is the great-great-grandson of Zerubbabel. He's going to continue that line. He's going to go back with them in the hope of the restoration. He's, so now you've got priests, you've got the king. Notice, though, that he's mentioned here, but he doesn't really show up the rest of the chapter. All right. the royalty is kind of backed off. They're no longer in leadership. He doesn't have the same role as Zerubbabel did in the first return. It's mostly gonna be driven by the priest, Ezra the high priest, these guys. But you have those represented. And then the third group in the people is just the mass of people going with them, right? So you have this long list of people of about 1,500 or so, 1496, if you wanna get specific, uh, <clears throat> of people that are going to go back. And these are probably, these are just the heads. So there's probably, could be up to 5,000 people if you include families, if you include servants and other groups, um, but you have the listing of the family heads. Uh, some kind of significance here of, of, of the group of people that are listed uh, from verse three all the way down to 14 is that he mentions 12 families. That's an interesting number. Why 12 families? Well, Israel had traditionally been 12 tribes, right? So we're almost seeing like another exodus, another restoration of Israel, a symbolic return to the land, just like they left Egypt and returned to Judah the first time with 12 tribes. Now we have a similar feel with 12 different families going back to restore the land. Okay. Um, It's also interesting that most of these families lists match the same families as in the first return. Okay. These guys have family members already there. So they're going and following their family into the land. For the most part, there's a couple names that are different, but a lot of these are just extended families taking the opportunity to go back to resettle reestablish Jerusalem and Judah, and to help be a part of that restoration, okay? So you have high priests, you have uh, royalty, you have the people. Is there anything missing? Is there any group of people missing? High priests, royal family, people. There's one group, one component that's missing, And so that's your next P is the missing piece. Okay, so I cheated a little bit, but the missing piece. Okay, what's the missing piece of this people returning? If we look at at, at, uh, Artaxerxes' proclamation in chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, Artaxerxes um, says, I've issued a decree in verse 13 that any of the people of Israel and their priests and the Levites... In my kingdom who are willing to go to Jerusalem may go. So what's the missing group? High priest, got that. Royalty, we got that. Levites, all right? And if you know your Old Testament, what do the Levites do? They help out in the temple. They teach the law. And what's Ezra going back to do? Teach the law. So is this a crucial piece to have? Yeah, Okay, we need this group. We need all of them for that restoration. Okay, we need all of them to return with us. But we've got to have the Levites to help out with the <clears throat> sacrificial system, with the teaching of the law, and with uh, training the Israelites about who God is. So, uh Ezra 8:15. Ezra realizes this missing piece. Now I assembled them, verse 15, at the river that runs to Ahava, where we camped for three days. And then I observed the people and the priest, and I did not find any Levites there. Oops. If I want to make sure that everyone in the nation understands the Bible, I need help. Okay, isn't this a wise leader? You can't do it by yourself. You need to train others. You need that missing piece. Uh, and so if he wants to teach the statues and ordinances in Israel, like 710 says, he needs this help, okay? Uh, <clears throat> returning to the decree of Artaxerxes. Um, Artaxerxes says to Ezra, you Ezra, verse 25 of chapter 7, according to the wisdom of your God, which says, at your hand, appoint magistrates, and judges, that may judge all the people who are in the province beyond the river, even all those who know the laws of your God. So if you're going to establish a good restoration, if you're going to get the people back going, he needs people that know, quote, all those who know the laws of your God. And which group is that? The Levites, okay? We need these guys to help teach, Okay. We need trained leaders to help with the education of the people. So we need Levites. Now, why hadn't they shown up? It seems like the Levites would jump at an opportunity to go back. It, it, the, the text doesn't say, so it, it's it's unsure if maybe they were scared to go back. Um, maybe they were very comfort comfortable in Babylon. Right? You built your house. You have wealth. You have your family there. Your business is good. Why would you want to go to a foreign country, right, Upend your life, move all the way across the known world pretty much back then, just to reset the, the, uh, restore the kingdom? That's a big ask, right? So it's possible that maybe they were, they were nervous about that. It's possible they may not even had known. They may not have been challenged to go with them back, okay? Uh, we don't know, but the fact of the matter is, they are short Levites. They need them, and so uh, Ezra needs to fix the situation. So, chapter eight, verse sixteen, Ezra gets a group of men together—Eleazar, Ariel, et cetera, et cetera. Three El Nathans must have been a really popular name. Okay, I'm going to name our next kid El Nathan uh, after Ezra eight sixteen. No, I'm kidding. Um, so he gets these men together and he sends them to Ida, Um, In order to recruit Levites, uh, to bring ministers, verse 17, to us for the house of our God. So he knows this place in Babylon that has a lot of trained Levites, trained leaders, and he gets help to go recruit these Levites to go. He challenges them, okay? And he doesn't do it alone. How often do we want to just jump right in and fix it? right? Ezra knows I need men around me to help challenge these Levites to go. And so Ezra himself doesn't even go. He sends these other guys to make the appeal. We need you, all right? And sometimes we have to do that in the church, right? We know of people in the church that we need to challenge, hey, you need to do blah, okay? Come with me and help me do this, all right? And so one of the challenges I want to leave with you tonight is is who do you need to challenge to come with you and do ministry? Um, if any of you guys know our our founding pastor, Mel Summerall, he's the king of this. He'll come up to you and say, I have a plan for your life. And immediately you find yourself in Austria or, you know, Kenya or something doing mission work. Um, but sometimes that's what we need to do as the church is to challenge, admonish, encourage others to do ministry. And so Ezra is sending these men out to challenge the Levites, come with me to do the work of the Lord. Come with me to do this God-ordained ministry, all right? And so maybe tonight you're the Levite, so you need to get and go, okay? But maybe you're Ezra and you need to challenge someone. Come with me, let's learn Romans together. Let's go share the gospel on the square. Let's go reach the homeless down off of McKinney, okay? Who do you need to challenge? What do you need to be challenged to do, all right? Um, so they go and they have success if you look at Ezra eight eighteen. And as I read, notice who Ezra gives credit for, for their success. It's not his ability. It's not these men that went for him. It's someone else. So verse 18 of chapter eight, according to the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of insight of the sons of Mali, of the son of Levi, of the son of Israel, namely Shurabiah, and his sons and brothers, 18 men. um, And with them, another 20 men, and 220, this is verse 20, 220 of the temple servants whom David and the princes had given for the service of the Levites, all of them designated by name. So notice they go just to find a couple teachers and they get blessed beyond their imagination. Not only do they get a bunch of Levites to join them around 40, they also get 220 of the temple servants to come also. All right? sometimes all you have to do is step out in faith. There's no telling what God might do, all right? And not only is there a big response from the Levites and the temple workers, there's this one guy, Sherebiah, who is a man of insight. This guy is specially gifted in wisdom to help with this travel, right? So it's beyond even what Ezra can imagine. And what we're going to see is Shurabiah becomes a crucial piece. He'll be mentioned several other times in Ezra and Nehemiah. He'll be mentioned in Ezra 8. uh, Later on in verse 24, Nehemiah 8, Nehemiah 9, Nehemiah 10, Nehemiah 12. This guy who almost missed the boat becomes a crucial piece. Ezra realized he needed help. He reached out and he found gold. All right, A group of guys to help him teach the law, to train others, and one guy in, the, in particular who will help him um, with insight, special understanding of God's word. Uh, interestingly, Sherebiah comes from the line of Merari, the family that was responsible for the carrying of the tabernacle. So not only does he have special insight, he has a family history of literally carrying the temple tabernacle. And so yet again, if you get this picture of, of another Exodus, we have 12 families leaving. We have high priests, we have Levites, we have temple servants, and we have a guy whose family used to carry the tabernacle. They're all going back to restore Israel. All right. Um, uh, one kind of cool fact that you see in this passage is that this response is not only overwhelming, but it's also very quick. It's about seven days from the challenge to when they show up ready to go. Okay, can you imagine someone says, hey, we need you to go give up your home, sell your house, pack all your goods, be ready to go in seven days. Would you do it? All right. We need a missionary in China in seven days. You guys ready? These guys, once they are challenged... Answer the call. Once they are challenged, they drop everything quickly, pack up, sell out, and are ready to go and meet the people in order to return, okay? Okay, so that's our first P and our second P. First P, people, okay? We need the priests, the royalty, the people, the Levites, And you have the missing piece, the Levites, okay? The the leaders, the trainers, the teachers of the Bible. So that's the second one, missing piece. Now we're to the third P, prayer. All right, so Ezra has all these people. They're already formed. He has Levites. He has everyone that he needs. And what is the first thing he does? He prays. Isn't that a good lesson? If it was me, I would jump immediately into the journey. Okay, we've been waiting seven days. Let's keep going, you know. But no, instead, this is what Ezra does. <clears throat> Chapter 8, verse 21. <clears throat> then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek him a safe journey for us, our little ones, and all our possessions. So before we go, we need to pray. Fast and pray, Okay. Of course, as I'm preparing for this sermon, I get to this chapter and I realize I hadn't prayed. Okay, you want to be convicted in sermon preparation? That's a great way to do it. Before we act, we seek God. If you want your plans to succeed, first off, let God do the planning and pray. right, pray. Before he does anything else, he prays. And it's a big prayer. They're traveling all across Mesopotamia without any protection. You have a ton of people, lots of goods, and we'll see later on gold, silver, precious metals. They are a target for bandits, for all kinds of uh, different issues and problems beyond just the issues of traveling that far in that day. And so this is a big undertaking, and we need prayer Okay, Um, And the requests. Ezra, if you notice, he prays for three things. A safe journey for us, our little ones, and our possessions. So what are they risking on this journey to restore Israel? Everything that's dear to them, right? Their lives, their families, their possessions. They are going full in with God's plan. And risking everything for the sake of the restoration of the worship of God. Um, verse 22 of chapter 8. Uh, Ezra gives an explanation, "For I was ashamed to request from the king troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way, because we had said to the king, the hand of our God is favorably disposed to, dispose to uh, all those who seek him, but his power and his anger against all those who forsake him." So we fasted, sought our God concerning this matter, and he listened to our entreaty. So Ezra knows that he could call on the king. He could get a full troop. He could get the soldiers to follow them and protect them. Why doesn't he seek that? I think it's because Ezra's trying to change the history of Israel. If you think about Israel up until this point, how often do they rely on their own ability, the protection of foreign kings? protection of chariots or armies, protection of their abilities, versus rather than relying on God. And so Ezra wants to flip that. We're not going to rely on foreign kings. We're not going to rely on foreign issues. We're not going to rely on our own abilities, our own wisdom. We're going to rely on the only thing that you can actually rely on. We're going to rely on God. And when this goes through, who's going to get all the glory out of it? God. It's not them that did it. It's not Artaxerxes and his armies that did it. It's God that does it. And so he prays, Lord, allow us to pass along safely. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so verse 23, we fasted, we sought our God and he listened. Isn't that beautiful? Does God always listen? He may not give us the answer we want, but he will listen, okay? And he protects them um, in this journey as they go out. So we've seen the people. We've seen the missing piece. Um, We've seen now prayer before we start. Um, The fourth P, preparation. Okay, so there's one more after this. Preparation. Okay, so now they put together a plan. They're going to organize as they head back. And specifically, they've got to figure out, what do we do with all this wealth we've been given to take back to the temple? Do we want just one guy to hold on to the money? Why might that be problematic? Okay, around here, we have the rule of two. Okay, we want... Uh, someone, you know, you want someone along with you to make sure that everything's done above reproach. Okay. Also, how many guys do you have to rob if only one guy has all the stuff? (laughs) All right. Let's spread it out for safety, wisdom. And also like, let's share the burden. It's a lot of weight. It's a lot of responsibility. And so what Ezra does is as he's thinking about how to restore the temple, the, the gold, the silver, all the things to the temple, Let's divide this out and share the burden as we prepare to go back, okay? First we pray, but now let's think through how do we do this in a wise way? So verse 24 of Ezra 8, "'Then I set apart 12 of the leading priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and with them 10 of their brothers, "'and I weighted out to them the silver, the gold, "'the utensils, the offering for the house of our God, "'which the king and his counselors and his princes "'and all Israel present there,' At so a couple things out of this, this section. First off, we've got 12 priests and 12 Levites being entrusted with this very important um, gold, silver, and utensils for the temple. Okay, yet again, 12. Why 12? All right, I'll just leave that. You guys kind of figured it out by now. So he's going to divide it out. And notice who's one of the guys is. Sherebiah, the man of special insight, the guy that joined in the last seven days, Right that now he is put forth, the Levites are put forth, and they are entrusted with this important role. Um, And so they divide out, they will divide out, and we'll go with that here in a second, the, the different gold, silver, and things that was given by two groups, okay? First, the king, his counselors, and princes, so the Babylonians give their wealth to the Israelites to return to their temple. The king supports it. So yet again, if Ezra needed you know, soldiers or horsemen or chariots or anything, I think the king would have given it to him. He's already given him a ton of money and gold and things. Um, but they give openly to the people and second group, all Israel present there. So yet again, these people are risking their lives. They've given up their homes. They're risking their families. They're risking their possessions. And they give a ton of money to the God into the temple. These guys are all in. How do we help the mission of God? How do we participate in what God has planned? So they give everything to this mission, okay? Um, Verse 26, Thus I weighed into their hands 650 talents of silver, silver utensils the 100 talents, 100 gold talents, 20 gold bowls, um, utensils of fine shiny bronze, precious as gold. And I said to them, You are holy to the Lord and the utensils are holy and the silver and the gold are freewill offering to the Lord God of your fathers. These guys are set apart for a special mission. They are entrusted with this material that's set apart for a special mission, okay? And if you think about it, that's us in the church too. Haven't we been set apart for a special mission? For a special responsibility? and been entrusted with a special treasure? The gospel, the only treasure that people really need. And so just like these guys, we are to be holy and we are to share that treasure. Um, You see this in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts, which are yours in the ignorance, but like the Holy One, be holy yourselves, also in your behavior, for it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We are set apart for a special mission. We are called to a high standard. We're to be holy as he is holy. Just like these guys were called to in this mission. You are entrusted with this treasure. Now go. Um verse 29 of chapter 8. <clears throat> He gives more instructions. Okay, what do you do with these utensils? What do you do with the gold and silver? Watch and keep them until you weigh them before the leading priest, the Levites, the head of the father's households of Israel at Jerusalem, in the chambers of the house of the Lord. So the priests and the Levites accepted the weighed out silver and gold and the utensils to bring them to Jerusalem, to the house of our God. So they weigh them before the journey, pass them out, and they're going to weigh them at the end of the journey. Okay, why? What do you think? What's Ezra trying to do here? I think one, it's a good business practice, right? We want to make sure that the inventory we start with is the inventory we're done. But why, notice where the weighing's going to happen. In public, in Jerusalem, at the temple, in front of everyone. What's Ezra trying to show? We were faithful and God brought us here with everything intact. Despite the long journey, despite the issues, despite the threat of banditry, attack, drowning, death, all that stuff, God's gonna protect us and we're gonna present that in front of everyone when we're at the temple. That we have achieved our goal. We have accomplished what God had called us to, okay? We want everyone to know. And we want everyone to know that it was God, not the king. He's the one that kept us. He's the one that protected us. He's the one that we're following so that we're all honest with the material we've been entrusted with. It's all God. And so what happens? This is the presentation. Here's your last P, all right? So we got uh, the people, the missing piece, the prayer, the preparation, and now the presentation. What's the end of the journey? What does it look like as they come and present um, the utensils, the gold, the silver, and the temple? Verse 31 of chapter 8, Then we journeyed from the river Ahava to the twelfth of the first month to go to Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was over us. Who did it? God. The hand of our God was over us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and the ambushes, by the way. Um, What's interesting to me is is we had this buildup of preparation, prayer for the journey, this, this tension of this four-month journey that they're about to go on, and it only is one verse, right? What they accomplished on the trip isn't what's important. What is important is God brought them through. Everything that they feared in that journey is skipped over in one verse. God brought them there. God protected them. God helped them. God empowered them, right? And that's all you need to know. There was no ambush. There was no attacks. He delivered us from the hand of the enemy. He got us here. This four-month journey takes only a verse in this chapter. And then verse 32, Then we came to Jerusalem, remained three days. And on the fourth day, the silver and the gold utensils were weighed out in the house of our God into the hand of Meremoth the son of Uriah. And with him was Eleazar, son of Phineas. With them were the Levites, the son of Joshua, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Everything was numbered and weighed, and all the weight was recorded at that time. Everything made it, and everyone sees that everything made it. They were faithful and stepping out to do what God called them to. God protected them. Everything made it, intact. God did what He promised. Um, and rewarded the faith of these people. Uh, verse thirty-five: The exiles who had come from captivity burnt offerings to the King of Israel, the God of Israel. Twelve bulls, ninety-six rams, seventy-seven lambs, twelve male goats for a sin offering, and all was a burnt offering to the Lord. So now we celebrate, we worship. Why? Not because we did anything. Not because we're exceptionally smart or talented. God protected us. God did this thing. So now we need to worship. And so you have the renewal of the worship. You have sacrifices, the praising to God. And then verse 36, they delivered the king's edicts to the king's satraps, to the governors of the provinces beyond the river. And they supported the people in the house of God. So notice their priority. They didn't go to the governors first. They didn't go to the ruling authorities with the edicts. They didn't go to them for protection. They went to the temple first. They worship God first. Then they go to the governors. Is that the right priority? Right? Kings won't save you, right? Political parties won't save you. But God is who you need to follow first, and that's what they do. And then, because now they've been faithful, the whole world has seen what God has done, now you go to the governors, Okay. Now you go to the state chaps and you give the edict uh, that Artaxerxes had given them, okay? So conclusion, what, what can we learn from this? What are some applications? What are some thoughts, some final thoughts uh, of this chapter? Um, first off, you, to, to accomplish the plan of God, you need a faithful people. For us, that's the church. And that people needs to be made up of the entire, uh, all different types, right? Okay, um, and the New Testament picks up on this, right? The illustration of the body of Christ. All of us have a role to play. It doesn't matter if you're from the royal line, the priestly line, the Levite line. Everyone is needed in order for us to be successful. And so one of my challenges to you is, is to think through, like, what is my place in the church? How can I serve? How can I be a part? What is my gifting? What is my ability? What, how can I help? as we try to spread the gospel throughout the world and encourage one another to faith and good works, all right? Um, missing piece. Don't be a missing piece. You all have a role. We all have a role. Whether that's a teaching up front, teaching a small Bible study, sharing the gospel in the square, everyone has a role and you can't have a missing piece. Okay? Using that illustration of the body, how weird would it be if like, there's a big hole in the middle? Okay, it's not very helpful, or if my heart was missing. I'm not going to live very long, okay? All of us have a role. All of us have a a position, and you have to be here. You have to be serving. You don't be that missing piece. And, And the illustration here was the Levites, right? They were the missing piece. Teaching. Are we teaching others? Are we training up leaders? Are we helping instruct people in the laws, ordinances, scripture, those kind of things, okay? You need that. And so I would challenge you if you haven't, like get into 2-7, go do BDCP, uh, go do Young Guns, um, go do women's program, go join a Bible study, learn, soak, so that you can be a part of the people, part of this, this goal that we have. Um, prayer. Do you pray before action? Okay, so that third P. Or do you just run right in? Um, do you rely on your own abilities? Do you rely on your own, you know, I got this, you know, I have, I'm, I'm being successful? Or do you take it to God first? When things are bad, when things are good, are you praying first or are you jumping right into action? Ezra gives us a great example here. Before we start on the journey, we pray and fast. We seek God. We seek his wisdom, okay? Preparation. Do you plan wisely for the action of God? Are you, are you more of that spiritual, eye? Ah, whatever comes. Okay, Ezra made a plan. He prayed, but then he made a plan. What's your plan of action? How are you participating in the body of Christ? How are you learning scripture? How are you growing as a Christian? Um, are you seeking counsel in other people, like man of special insight, like Sherebiah? What plan preparation are you doing to grow in your own faith and to help those around you grow in their faith? Because that's the goal. Here in America, we always focus on the individual, right? Like my personal walk. Well, we're a church. We're a family. We help each other in our walks. And so what's your plan? What's your role in that? Um, and are you being holy as he is holy? Are You, you are set apart as a member of, this, of the church universal, as a member of this local body. Okay. Are you being holy? Are you being set apart for this mission, this commission we've been entrusted with? And then finally, presentation. When people see your life, when people meet you, do they say, man, that was a smart guy, or man, God's done great things in that person's life. When they arrived at the temple and they presented all those goods and everyone was there safely, people didn't say, man, Ezra is a good travel agent. He got everybody there safely. No, what they said is God did it, right? And so when people look at you, are they... Giving glory to God. Are they saying, man, he's just a really nice guy. Or man, he's a really good business person. Okay. Who do they see when they see you? All right. Um, so next week we'll continue. Uh, the Looking at this, this second return, this second kind of series. Okay. We saw... Chapters 1 through 6, now we're looking 7 through 10 with the Ezra return. And we'll see it doesn't always end well, right? There's always a struggle. As high of an ending as we have here in chapter 8, things won't last. And so we'll talk a little bit about that next time. Look at Ezra's role once they get back to the land and then continue on uh, through the rest of this series. So let me pray for us and then we'll, uh, we'll take off for the week. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the example of Ezra and the Israelites uh, who were willing to sacrifice everything in faithfulness to you, Lord, that they gave up possessions, they gave up homes, they gave up businesses, they gave up their comforts in order to better see um, your worship being restored. Lord, I just pray that that's true of us. And pray that you continue to help us grow as a, as a church family, as, as Christians, Lord. And that we continue to be holy as you are holy. In your name, amen.